0: Hello, I'm Janus.
1: And I'm Tessa.
0: Welcome to our podcast that celebrates wordiness
1: and nerdiness and sometimes plain
0: absurdness.
1: Please join us for today's episode of Your Your New New Favorite Favorite Word. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Your New Favorite Word wanted to start out with some shout-outs to some listeners who sent us some questions and information. First, listener Britton asks the all-important question, Where does the word cooties come from? <laughs> in 1917, cooties was used as a British World War One slang word, meaning body louse. Earlier than that, it had been used in nautical situations that were believed to originate from the Malay word... Kutu, K-U-T-U, the name of a parasitic biting insect. No kidding. Interesting. So cooties have come a long way <laughs> around have. the world.
0: They <laughs> have come a long way.
1: So thanks for asking, Britain. Listener Nathaniel sent us some information, very interesting, about the term retronym. So this is a newer name for an existing thing that differentiates the original form or version from a more recent one. It is thus a word or phrase created to avoid confusion between two types, whereas previously, before there were more than one type, no clarification was required. So some examples of this are, if we're talking about a guitar, as soon as the electric guitar was introduced, we had to have a name for the acoustic guitar. So that term was... Created to differentiate the two. Some more examples are analog clock, when digital clocks (laughs) became a thing, conventional oven after the invention of the microwave, and plain (laughs) M&Ms after peanut M&Ms became a thing. So there are lots more examples, and I will actually put a link to a list of those on the show notes. So thanks, Nathaniel. That's really interesting. Appreciate you sharing that with us. So, Jameis, what's your new favorite word today?
0: My new favorite word... Okay, I'm going to start with a sentence. I must make breakfast. (laughs) Now, Tessa, how would you express that in the past
1: tense? That's a good question. You would have to change the word and say, I had to make breakfast or I was required to make breakfast. I was expected to make Mm. breakfast, something like that.
0: Exactly. I needed to make breakfast. Exactly. But is there any way to express that same idea using some form of the word must?
1: I'm sure you're going to tell me one. I don't know one off the top of my head. I'm actually not. I'm going to say
0: that it just doesn't work. Like you can't just conjugate make. You can't say I must made breakfast. Mm -hmm. And must doesn't conjugate. You can't say I musted make breakfast. And I mean, you can say, I must have made breakfast, but the meaning is different. There's that bewildered like (laughs) confusion. I
1: have dementia and I'm wondering (laughs) if I really did. You
0: wake up and I'm sitting at the table and, wow, I must have made breakfast. But it doesn't mean the same thing. It's not the past tense of must.
1: That's interesting.
0: So I wondered, why is it so hard to express the past tense of the sense of obligation in English, like using the word must, because mm-hmm. obviously we Change get around the it,
1: words, yeah. Right?
0: Because really the only way in English is to use a different verb, like had to or needed to or was required to. Because there is no past tense form of must in modern English. Well, why is this? Well, it turns out that in Old English, there was a verb, motan, which meant to be obliged or impelled. Pretty much like must in modern English. Okay. In Middle English and Early Modern English, it evolved into mote. M-O-T-E, and sometimes M-O-U-G-H-T.
1: Oh, mode. that's fascinating. And it
0: survived clear until the 16th century, where you might find phrases like, Now Moti understand. Hmm. Uh, Lord Byron used it poetically as recently as 1812 in Child Herald with, Nor mote my shell awake, and the weary nine to grace so plain a tale. <laughs> it was often used in, in emphatic phrases like, so mote it be, <laughs> almost like amen. Yeah,
1: I love that. Isn't that great? We need to reintroduce that.
0: I think so, because mote is my new favorite word. So, <laughs>
1: especially cool. with the gh spelling. Uh,
0: yeah, m o u g h t. <laughs> yes. So this verb motan had a past tense, mosta, which was also used in the past subjunctive to indicate a polite or moderate form of the present tense. So instead of telling someone you you must do this. They would put it in the past subjunctive mood (laughs) and express the same thing in a more polite or moderate way. Fascinating. So past subjunctive is kind of a weird beast. It's a little important to understand a little bit about what that is before I go on. So in modern English, it's weird. There's only one way to express the past subjunctive, and it uses the word were. So if I were you. Though I were a hundred years old. Mm. Like that is called the past subjunctive. Fascinating. And there's a really interesting article on it on Wikipedia about the English subjunctive, including the past subjunctive. And I'll link to that in the show notes. But if grammar isn't your thing, then at least remember this. That the past tense of motan, the old English verb that means must, was mosta. And this past tense form was sometimes used to express something in the present tense using this past (laughs) subjunctive mood. Hmm. So, looking into a hypothetical future, (laughs) imagine people in English someday changing if you were to do X to just you were to do X Hmm. and have that same meaning.
1: Take out the if. Take out the
0: if. Now imagine that evolving further into you were do X with a present tense meaning, meaning you are doing X. Wow. That is effectively what happened with (laughs) most, that past tense form of motan. Wow. In Old English, they would express you need to do X politely by using most in the past subjunctive. Maybe something like if you must do X, it would be well. Idea. Like, if you had if you were to be required to do X, that would be great. <laughs> right? A softer way of saying
1: right. you have to do X. Giving the person the choice. Right. The, the illusion friend, of the, the choice. The illusion
0: of choice. So as a consequence, most gradually came to be used by itself in the present tense mm-hmm. and evolved into the word must of modern English. Okay. Thus, there is no past tense of must <laughs> because the word itself was originally the past wow. tense. Wow. But the craziest bit of all is this. The original verb, motan, as mote, gradually came to be used in the past tense. <laughs> so they like switched places. Wow. The present tense became the past tense, the past tense became the present tense. It's as if had and had, have and had, were to switch <laughs> places. So naturally, this happened over generations of speakers. Yes. But imagine your great-great-great-grandchildren holding a sandwich in their hand and saying, I had a sandwich, meaning the present tense. <laughs> like that would just be crazy. Now, sadly, the verb mote, in any sense, has fallen out of use and is now considered archaic and okay. obsolete.
1: I was going to ask if there is anything in modern usage that came just, from that.
0: It'll show up in poetry, mm-hmm. but it, no one knows what it means anymore, and so yeah. it's,
1: it's tough.
0: But I'm all for bringing it back <laughs> as the past tense of must. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how the modern construction would look, but judging from OED examples, it seems like you just use moat with the zero infinitive. So I must make breakfast would be I mote make breakfast. <laughs> so listeners, give this a try with me. This week, anytime you might say had to, replace it with mote. I had to do laundry. I mote do laundry. I love it. I had to use the bathroom.
1: <laughs> I mote
0: use the bathroom. <laughs> Try it yourself with this one. I couldn't stop. I had to listen to another episode of your new favorite <laughs> word. Perfect. So mote it be, I say. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was fun. I really am enamored of that, of that new word,
1: mote. Love it.
0: How about you, Tessa? What have you got
1: for us today? Well, thanks for asking. Um, Recently, I've been reading multiple things, but one of them is a series called The Books of Pelinor* by Alison Crogan. It's a fantasy series, epic fantasy. And there's a word that came up describing a warrior as going berserk obviously this is a word that I have heard before and if I have heard of the etymology before I didn't remember it so I went to look that up and it's very fascinating so in 1844 berserk began to be used in an adjectival form as an adjective but originally came from a noun a berserk or a berserker so b-e-r-s-e-r-k-e-r meaning a Norse warrior so one of the Vikings And it was introduced into English originally by Sir Walter Scott in a novel he wrote called The Pirate in 1822. But he spelled it B-E-R-S-E-R-K-A-R.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And in the original Old Norse, it had no vowel there in the last syllable. So it was B-E-R-S-E-R-K-R. So it makes sense that he just put in whichever vowel he chose. (laughs) And then it's changed over time. And then that last syllable has just dropped off, berserk. But it meant, in Old Norse, a raging warrior of superhuman strength. And I found a really interesting podcast episode from a few years ago, a podcast called Skeptoid, where they looked at and um, examined this history of berserk and berserkers. And this is a quote from that podcast. The berserkers are known from their numerous mentions and descriptions in the sagas, the epic Icelandic stories of Vikings written in Old Norse, primarily in the 10th through the 14th centuries. So this is something that comes from historical documents laced with legend, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And Sir Walter Scott apparently assumed that the etymology of Old Norse Berserker was from their word bear, B-E-R-R, meaning bear or naked. And he thought that it meant a warrior who fights without armor. So someone who's so crazed that they go into battle with no armor. But it's more likely according to other etymologists that it comes from a different root, B E R meaning bear, the animal. Oh, okay. And S E R K R meaning shirt. So a warrior clothed in bear skin.
0: Like very fierce. Yes, and and
1: literally often wearing like the head of a bear or a bear pelt Mm -hmm. um, to make them more intimidating to the enemy and thus not wearing armor possibly. And they were used as quote-unquote shock troops in Norse sagas. So a king would send in this group of berserkers first to frighten the enemy. And the question comes up in the, that podcast about what caused the what they call berserker gong, the state of being a b- berserker. Was it alcohol? Was it a hallucinogenic mushroom that they mm-hmm. consumed? Were they in it some kind of trance? Was there a supernatural explanation according to the writer of the saga? So there is some speculation that the idea of things like werewolves comes from this but the podcaster that I'm quoting from here didn't go down that route and focused more on some of the other more natural explanations and he said there's really no evidence that they used any kind of substance a drug or alcohol to obtain this state of berserk And he said, because it's described in the sagas as occurring spontaneously out of nothing. They didn't Mm -hmm. talk about it being triggered by some kind of consumption of a substance. And then he said that his theory is that it's extreme PTSD response to the horrors of war. Oh, that would make sense. And he quotes Howard Fabing from a 1956 issue of the American Journal of Psychiatry who said, men who were thus seized performed things which otherwise seemed impossible for human power. This condition is said to have begun with shivering, chattering of the teeth, and chill in the body, and then the face swelled and changed its color. With this was connected a great hot-headedness, which at last gave over into great rage, under which they howled as wild animals, bit the edge of their shields, and cut down everything they met without discriminating between friend or foe. When this condition ceased, a great dulling of the mind and feebleness followed, which could last for one or several days the podcaster was quick to point out that this is not your average response in PTSD, but that it could be a very, very extreme response. And that was what he gravitated toward as far as an explanation. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so some other cultural terms that are kind of similar to this idea of berserk are amok, as in to run amok. A-M-O-K. The OED says that this comes originally from Malay, The Malay language, A-M-O-Q. Elsewhere, I've seen it spelled A-M-U-K as the Malay word, so who knows what the traditional spelling is. But an adjective meaning engaging furiously in battle, attacking with desperate resolution, rushing in a state of frenzy to the commission of indiscriminate murder, applied to any animal in a state of vicious rage. So originally in their language, it was some kind of animal response. But um, at one time, the Portuguese in the 1500s occupied Malaysia and that area, and they have writings that attribute this kind of a mental state to people, and they came up with the word amouco or amuco in Portuguese meaning a frenzied Malay. So someone who went berserk and went out and was going on a spree of killing people. So that's to run amok (laughs) comes from that. It's
0: really fascinating. I never made the connection between berserk and amok,
1: but it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and linguistically they're not connected, but yeah, in meaning they are. And then this one was fascinating. I've never heard of this one, but it comes from the Inuit society within the Arctic Circle. So it's a concept called Piblocto, P-I-B-L-O-K-T-O, or sometimes spelled Pibloctoq, P-I-B-L-O-K-T-O-Q, also known as Arctic Hysteria. Hmm. So this is a syndrome that's been described as happening among these people, and it's considered to be a culture-bound mental state meaning that it doesn't occur in any other cultures although it has been recorded a group of sailors that were stranded above the arctic circle have reported something similar to this the traditional explanation of it is that it's possession by an evil spirit but it's today described as an abrupt dissociative episode or a culture-specific hysterical reaction, especially in Inuit women who may perform irrational or dangerous acts followed by amnesia of the events.
0: Wow. Fascinating.
1: Yeah. And some people speculate, there's no knowledge of its actual cause, but some speculate that it could be attributed to lack of sun, to extreme cold, and the desolate state of most villages in the region. A reason for this disorder present in this culture may be due to isolation of the cultural group. And someone thinks that it could possibly be linked to a vitamin A toxicity based on their diet. But others question if this is actually a phenomenon in and of itself, or if it was possibly a reaction of the native women to exploitation by European explorers who were the ones to document most of the cases so there is some question about it's if it, is it actually a mental state a mental disorder or is this something that was just another type of ptsd or something like that mm-hmm. and then finally the word frenzy is related to all these and this comes from the mid-14th century delirium or insanity was the meaning at the time which came through old french from medieval latin frenesia which came from freneticus and then you can hear the word frenetic in there which also comes from that root and this was borrowed from greek freneticos with the root fren meaning mind or reason and itis inflammation so an Mm -hmm. inflammation of the brain so frenzy frenetic and frantic all come from this that's
0: cool yeah
1: so this idea that it's based on a physical inflammation that's fascinating to me. Yeah. So, and then just the final word I wanted to say about those it's interesting how the original meanings of all these were very severe, very violent, um, involved, hurting people. But in today's usage, they've become more generalized and can be used in a much, well much less violent meaning, such as frenzy being a mania or a craze. Yeah. Berserk, meaning unrestrained, as with enthusiasm or appetite. And then amok, meaning in or into a jumbled or confused state or a state of extreme activity. So a lot less violent and not involving murder or Mm -hmm. weapons, things like that. So,
0: a lot more even keel kind of feel to those. Yeah. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. So I will include some links to some of those interesting articles in the show notes. And that was my favorite word this week, berserk, and Berzerk. then some related words. So. Thanks, Tessa.
0: That's really fun. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks to everyone for tuning in this week. We hope you've come away with some food for thought and a new word or two for your vocabulary. Please, please, please drop us a line and let us know what's your new favorite word.